0: Okay. All right, let's hit it. (laughs) Let's hit it. Very nice. Let's hit the pod. Let's pod this up. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and privilege to welcome you to another episode of the Robcast. We are not in the back house today. We are on the back porch because the more time spent outdoors, it's just a better life. We all know this. But I am here with Rain Wilson making his first appearance. On the Robcast. Can we call it the Raincast today? <laughs> Raincast. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first. It's the first ever Raincast. The first
1: ever Raincast, yeah. <laughs> I'm so thrilled you stopped by. Uh, it's great to be here. You know, you came on our little podcast I was doing with Reza Aslan, Metaphysical Milkshake. It hasn't been released yet, and we're tinkering with it and whatnot. It was such a fantastic conversation, and I'm a big fan of, of your podcast here, and i uh, I'm thrilled to be on your back porch today. I think that that conversation, our first
0: conversation was an hour and a half on Rob, if you left this recording studio and got hit by a car. Yeah. a, a bus yes. on Riverside Drive, where would you go? What would
1: happen? Exactly. And Talk then us through it. I think we did an hour and a half on
0: yeah. where I would be.
1: It was good I guess I'd still be there. <laughs> and it was good. It was good you you it, it got a little general sometimes, but I Absolutely. was really impressed with you're talking us through that experience and that you had given that actually some, some very real thought. And I love that. It's my, death is one of my favorite conversations.
0: And I, um, I like that you said general because to talk about what happens when you die is an endless dance between speculation yeah. and an odd, any certitude, there's a suspicion to it. Yeah. And, and yet this is the biggest stuff Yep. So jumping in and just throwing things against the wall is fine.
1: It's all speculation. <laughs> yes. You know, as Pete Holmes always says, it's like dogs talking about the Internet. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's out of our ken. You know, we talked about babies in the womb talking about yes. what it would be like to go see Apocalypse Now in a movie theater. Like they wouldn't have any context <laughs> for, you know, all of it. All of the mystery and the wonder. Um, so let's, let's pick up there we might as well.
0: Because you grew up in the Baha'i faith, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Seattle, Washington, uh, where you know I left for a while. My parents went and did kind of the Baha'i version of missionary uh, work in Nicaragua when I was uh, a kid. So I lived there from three, four, and five, and then and back to Seattle. And uh, yeah, my parents uh, became Baha'is uh, kind of in the hippie days, when a lot of people were becoming different religions and exploring different religious and spiritual paths.
0: um, And how far back does Baha'i go? Let's do Baha'i 101 just for everybody.
1: Baha'i 101, it's tricky because it's so vast. But uh, Baha'i 101 is that uh, in the mid-1800s in Persia, which is now Iran, uh, a man who was given the title Baha'u'llah, which means the glory of God, uh, said that had a vision and uh, that he was a new spiritual teacher sent from God for humanity. What Baha'is believe in is something called progressive revelation, that God, there's only one God, we all worship the same being, unknowable essence, divinity, energy thing, whatever that is, and that this, the way that this God educates humanity is by sending divine spiritual teachers down every 500 or 1,000 years or so to kind of, I call it like kind of updating the yeah. operating system. Right, right, right. You know, like... Reboot the system. I just did Catalina on my Mac laptop. It's the new one. I had, you know, Sierra Madre before that and <laughs> Canyon Country and Cougar and Mountain Lion before that. And when you do an operating system, you don't scrap the existing operating system. You're building on to that existing operating system. Yeah. So these divine teachers... Um, uh, Baha'is call them, um, you know, some people call them like prophets of God or messengers of God. Baha'is call them uh, manifestations of God because they're God made manifest on the planet. But they've gone by many names that you've heard of before, like Abraham, Krishna, uh, Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, and now Baha'u'llah. Baha'is believe is the most recent of these divine teachers of these kind of gradually unfolding chapters of God's yeah. spiritual revelation to humanity.
0: And Baha'u'llah, um, was, everything was written down. It was an oral tradition. It was like tenants. How did the message get codified or
1: yeah, captured? So, so, you know, uh, Jesus told stories that were oral tradition and written down 100, and 150 years later, right? And um, Muhammad, like, dictated, right, the Quran, And Baha'u'llah wrote, so his revelation, quote-unquote revelation, when you think about the largest context of that word, revelation, was to write down tablets, prayers, books, hundreds of them, hundreds, thousands of them. So it's, uh, Baha'is look at that as our holy text. There's not like a Baha'i Bible, per se. There's yeah. just tons of writings by Baha'u'llah.
0: So when you grew up, did you go to a
1: uh, a temple? Like a... So Baha'is don't have any clergy. Um, and we don't really have, like, temples. There are certain kind of what they call Baha'i houses of worship. That There's one in Wilmette, Illinois, just north of Chicago. It's very beautiful. A lot of people have visited it. Um, but that's for people of all faiths to come and pray and gather together and whatnot. So we don't have clergy. We don't have churches, synagogues, mosques, gurus, Mullahs, any any of that. So it's usually in people's homes, or oh, even in a, like a community center or something like that. That so, but that's Baha'is gather every 19 days for what's called a feast, and but that's prayer, meditation, um, doing the the business affairs of the community, gathering lovingly, etc. And that was in people's homes, and I spent my childhood uh, doing that.
0: And did you? I'm always fascinated in how things get etched like in the childhood psyche yeah. that then years later were like sort of still unpacking. Did that was um were there a lot of bahais around you or was that were you with your parents like oh we do something a little different than other people? How did that get like imprinted on you? Yeah, that's
1: that's a great that's a great question. It it was some of both. You know, I I was born in the late 60s and grew up in the 70s and it was a very spiritually fertile time. Like yeah, people yeah. were, there were prayer gatherings and you'd have Buddhists over and people were talking about religious faith in new ways you know cat stevens became a muslim and the beatles visited the maharishi yeah, and it was like which was huge which it was, was like a major cultural yeah east and west but fusion it, and it was in the groundwater you know culturally in the groundwater to be having these discussions and stuff like that so i felt a really a part of that yeah there there weren't a whole lot of baha'is like in my suburb of seattle they were like 12 15 bahais but with all the other suburbs and then bahais in the, in Seattle and then we'd have gatherings and there'd be a 100 a here 150 there 200 there like um there are uh, now i uh, there's somewhere like 150 200, 200 maybe 200,000 bahais in the United States uh it was very small and uh, about 6 million bahais around the world but uh, yeah i was definitely educated like Hey, we as a family we believe something a little bit different than other people. It's close. Baha'is believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. Uh, we read from the Bible, we read from the Quran, you know so we don't we don't feel like at odds with Christianity yeah, right. or anything like right. that. So
0: yeah. And then how did you what did um, in your home where you grew up in a home that was like, hey, you can do anything? You can try this, you can try that, or like a you will go to Stanford or you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like what
1: was the what was the setting like? Yeah. Well, this is a complicated topic. So Oh nice. Um I grew up in a in a in a difficult home environment. Um I've written about this and talked about it. I don't want yeah, to go it. too I can yeah. I I can't I'll go as deep as, as you want to go, that's what she said. But <laughs> the um is that the first that's what she said on the Robcast? It is? Christian said Kristen yes. Kristen Bell okay. is right here on the porch, verifying
0: yeah. it is. Okay,
1: good. Yes, All right. Yes, Boom. And, uh, I want I to give your audience their money's worth, which I is free. If you get a plaque or an award yeah, or something. I, something. Can I, I... I don't know. I'll take that cactus. Okay. All right. All um, right. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I had a really dysfunctional family, and mm. uh, it, it was... Uh, family life was a struggle. My mom left when I was two. Um... My dad got remarried, um, and it wasn't a very, um, this was something that I, I I struggle with and I've talked about like in therapy and written yeah. about. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't, there wasn't a lot of love in my family, and yet we're in a religious faith, the Baha'i faith, that's all about love, just like, and not like free sex love, but just like love one another, yes. love all the races, love diversity, men and women are equal, try and work for justice and peace in the world, and yet had a really broken family, you know? I mm-hmm. imagine a lot of Christians can really relate to that, right? Like it's... Oh, the... I mean, the, I hate to say you want to generalize <laughs> two billion people or something like that, but you know what I mean? Like, you're oh, raised in a... giant ideas, right. but then the actual concrete
0: materiality of your existence... Yeah.
1: The nitty-gritty. Uh, Where yeah, the rubber meets the road.
0: Yeah, there was this huge song when I first started out as a pastor. Some It had this line, like, uh, you can... F- Feel the mountains tremble, like kind of this. God is going to do a giant thing that will alter the created order. But I remember meeting this woman several years ago in Belfast who was talking about her upbringing. And she's like, uh, "the The mountains didn't tremble." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, "I was I saying that the mountains would tremble, but they never trembled. They never trembled. Just like I was promised this giant thing. Yeah. But the actual on the ground reality of life
1: was." a Little bit disappointing, isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's so, it's so easy to talk about universal love, and, and then it's so hard to like be patient with someone and kind right. and not interrupt them, and right, um, and, and make a personal sacrifice for that person. And you know what yeah, I mean? Those, yeah, that's yeah. where it gets really much more difficult, yeah, yeah. But my parents, they were good people, they were, you know, they had really messed up family lives before that, and um. Uh, but yeah, so they. My dad was a struggling artist, so I grew up. He worked in the. He literally worked in the sewer construction business, and at the same time was writing science fiction novels, painting abstract oil paintings. He wrote a book of poetry. Uh, he was always weird sculptures. He would he would make the lamps that were in our house like out of like driftwood and <laughs> nails and stuff like that. Like it was this really bohemian fertile household so they were very supportive of me being an artist yeah and whatever kind of path i wanted to take
0: so did that did you start making things or
1: er, were you acting early acting is weird acting is weird um i always knew that i wanted to be an actor it was there was i don't know how that works but i don't know how a, a nine-year-old rain is watching like mash on tv and going like I want to do I that. I want to do that. And I think I can do that. I think I, I think I would be good at that. It goes back that far. Yeah. Really, really. early. Yeah.
0: Because see, I think it's so interesting the number of people I interact with, um, especially people who are like feel stuck or like mm. this thing didn't turn out how it was supposed to, yeah. or just basic like, just the very, I hate my job, that kind of thing. Mm. Whenever I, I immediately begin asking questions, like, well, let's just do some just one on one kind of psychology or, here yeah. or history um when do you most feel alive when you think about are there any threads or patterns in your life of things that you've done over time that, that something within you went oh. and it's unbelievable how many people can go way back and be like i always just wanted to help heal or yeah i always had the earth or animals or yeah i always found like order in. Making the numbers and fit in the right column. Like, how many people have these really root things
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that are who they are, some essence that's in there, and our that they can name our families or our social situations. Kind of take that away from us and just yeah. empower us. And yeah, a lot of shoulds. Um, yes, yeah. Kristen Bell often talks. We don't should. We don't yeah. should on ourselves. There'll be no <laughs> shoulding here. <laughs> don't should in your pants. You should all over that thing. Um, the. Uh, It's like that Reverend Howard Thurman quote, which I'm sure you know Uh, very well, Uh, which is uh, don't ask what the world needs, but ask what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Uh. So the world needs people who have come alive. And you see that even in people like, I don't know, they're a butterfly collector and it's what they love and they're just passionate about butterfly collecting. It's not necessarily helping feed starving kids or whatever, but... Because they love it so, they're able to be loving to others and th- spread love and positivity. It reverberates and connect, and connect very, with people and almost stuff like that. subtle ways. I so, mean, it gets tricky because it's like, well, we does anyone like? Is it? We need garbage men. You yes. know, <laughs> does garbage being a garbage yes. man make someone come alive? I don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't. So it's tricky. It's very tricky. It's tricky in that sense. We we, we can't all be like macrame artists and yes, yeah, social yeah. media influencers or whatever. I don't know what people want to do these days. <laughs> yeah.
0: What people want to do? I don't know what the kids want to do old. These I'm old.
1: I'm a okay boomer. I'm not a
0: boomer. But. So you get to let's say high school. Um, are you a good student? Are you like I'm going to go to a really good college? I'm folk. Were you like a focused?
1: This is the plan
0: or were you trying this trying that?
1: Yeah I was um I tried this and tried that later in my 20s but in high school I was very nerdy and I was a very good student and got mostly A's and some B's and um, I you know I got attention and love from my family mostly by doing um, <laughs> by, you know getting accolades you know in a way and getting good sure. grades and succeeding at things you know. Um, It's not anything truly inherently wrong with that, but, um, so yeah, so I, I was pretty nerdy in high school and then I started doing drama in, um, junior year and,
0: um, at a new high
1: school, we moved to Chicago and, and I found I was good at it as I kind of, my nine-year-old watching MASH thought I might be good at it mm-hmm. and, and I, I was pretty good at it and made people laugh I made girls laugh all of a sudden girls were like liking me and because I made them laugh and <laughs> I was like oh wow well okay here we go so then I really thought I, I would study acting and I've, and I've told this story before but um, I think it's important to me because I didn't know, my dad was kind of a failed artist. He wasn't, fails a strong word, but he he was never able to make money off of it. I never knew anyone in suburban Seattle that got paid to make art. Like, I never met, my friends' dads were insurance salesmen and plumbers and stuff like that. I didn't know someone who, like, wrote a poem and got a check for $500 or performed on the stage and got paid weekly to do that or sang songs and got, at record deals. or I didn't know professional artists at all in blue-collar suburban Seattle in the 70s. So this was a pretty big th- dream of mine to, like, be an actor. But I remember going to my drama teacher in um, in high school. Her name was Suzanne Adams. We still keep in touch. And I, I was this nervous, trembling, pimply 17-year-old and a lot skinnier than I am now. And then um, I said to her, you know, Ms. Adams, do you think that I could one day, maybe, if I worked hard enough, that I could potentially be an actor. And it was maybe the most vulnerable I'd ever been in my life. And and she was like, oh yes, you should try. You've got lots of talent, but you have to travel the world and read books and fall in love and go to school and try new things and, and travel and have experiences. And, you know, she was all about that, but that encouragement that I got right at that time when I was so vulnerable, it would have been, I just think about how easy it would have been for her to be like, I don't know, kid. That's a a tough one. It's tough out there. That's a tough road to hoe. Are you okay with rejection and failure? Yeah. Yeah, The very few make it, (laughs) but she was so like positive and connected it to connected success in acting to reading and experiencing things and yeah interacting with people and stuff like that so that that really helped inspire me on my path and i did a freshman year at tufts in boston i did the sophomore year at university of washington in seattle my parents were getting a divorce or my dad and my stepmom were getting a divorce and um i went back to seattle and then and then i knew i wanted to be an actor and i went to new york university uh graduate acting program and um uh, I got out right around 1990 and in New York City, and that's when I became a professional actor. And that was, how? and that
0: to, um, what is the first, and then that's theater?
1: Theater, TV, yeah. TV, film, all of it. No, just theater at first. Just I lived and worked as a professional actor in New York City for nine years, Rob. I never made, as an actor, I never made over $20,000 in a year.
0: Oh, nine years. I'm raising years. my hands
1: in the air, celebrating that. Is that? And you didn't give up. I didn't give up. I almost gave up so many times. Ah, uh,
0: see, this is what's interesting to me. You, so there's a nine year stretch of your your twenties basically.
1: But every time I was, I would talk to my wife. So my wife and I. Have been together for twenty. We've been married for twenty-four years. We've been together for twenty-eight years. Yes. Yes, that's a good story. You're both raising your hands. Is that a Christian thing? It is a little bit. That's a human thing. No,
0: no. This right here. It's a human thing. This is a. This is a human victory. What's her name? Your wife's name.
1: Oh, I thought you was like the goddess Victory from ancient Greece. I was like, (laughs) my wife's name is Holiday Reinhorn. Holiday. Holiday Reinhorn. Yeah. Yeah, she's a fiction writer. Fantastic. Yeah, game. yeah. So we've been together. So eight... she's
0: with you. Yeah, and through a lot of. What this. What does a conversation look like where you come? Do we home... hold
1: for this helicopter, or what? What's your what's yeah, your protocol? Welcome to Los Angeles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the helicopters that just
1: midbirds. Like They're
0: like migratory birds.
1: <laughs> okay, it's gone. okay. So
0: you're mid twenties. Yeah. And uh, what does a conversation look like? Where you are, it's a Thursday
1: afternoon, and you are like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm like six years into this. This honey, is- I've been doing this. I have the crappiest agents in New York City. I can't get a single audition for even like, you know, someone moving boxes and Law and Order um, <laughs> in the background, right? I'm not making any money, any real money at this. Uh, what do we do? Like, what's, you know, what do is there, what's another version of this? Do we, It was never do I quit acting and be a stockbroker. It was always like do we move to Seattle and start a theater company? Do we move to Portland, Oregon, and do I teach acting and do some on the side? Do we it was always about like Another route versus this route. Another same another route that would have essentially been giving up on a larger success. Yes. Now there let me yeah, right. Unequivocal. There is nothing wrong right. with being an actor in Minneapolis or Seattle or Portland or wherever you are and doing some plays here and there and doing community theater and teaching some acting. And there, I mean, it's fantastic. And I know hundreds of actors that do that and have a wonderful life. It's great. There's no judgment. But when you do that, you're kind of saying, well, I'm giving up on being a series regular on a TV show or being a Broadway star or something like that. Because you kind of got to be. In New York or L.A. And just when we would start to engage in those conversations, what would happen in the universe is I would get some other job or there'd be some other sign that was just a little bit better than the last one. So there was just enough, just enough forward movement
0: and Mm. positive
1: energy and door opening thing that would say, "Eh." I should keep going down this road. And I think that that's really important because I know a lot of people, I know struggling actors here in L.A. that have been working for 10 years and, you know, not, it's not happening. And they're not getting those signs from the universe. But, so how do you find that balance between like fortitude, determination, following your dream versus when the universe is just saying like, it's not happening, you know? It's not happening. So, that is i think a spiritual toolkit of being attuned to where there's a path um, and i just got i would get a, you know i would just um, i'd be unemployed and then i'd just get a, a lead role at a small regional theater and and then i would get a medium sized role at an even better regional theater and then i would get a lead role At a giant regional theater, and then I would get a small role at an off-Broadway theater, and then I'd get a big role at an off-off-Broadway theater. You know what I mean? But it was always just kind of like moving me down the path. Just
0: enough to keep you on the path, but not enough to ruin the long, slow, gradual arc. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: And then, where does um, movie does the is the Office the first thing that's like? Oh hell no. No, there's a bunch uh, of things in there.
1: Yeah, a bunch of things. I mean, I I wrote a book called The Bassoon King. If you want all the juicy details, a lot of them are in there. Okay. So. um, Okay, I don't want to. You don't have to retell all that. No, 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 folks. uh, Go get the book, then come back. Keep going. Okay. (laughs) Let's pause your podcast here. Read my book. (laughs) Yes. Read the 400-page book, and then come back and press play. Right. And we're back. Okay. (laughs) No, but I will say that um, it's a complicated story, but some friends of mine and I created this comedy show in New York City, and um, we had an opportunity that we, it ran off Broadway, and it was moderately successful, but we had an opportunity to bring it to L.A., and right at that same time, the universe works in miraculous ways, uh, my wife and I were bought out of our apartment because we lived in a really kick-ass apartment in Brooklyn, and the landlords wanted to gut it and sell it to yuppies so they were like here's $35,000 to move out of your apartment which again I'd only made $20,000 a year as an actor so I was like oh my god this is almost two years salary uh we thought we were rich we're like we paid off some student loans and then we didn't have any money left so (laughs) um but it was enough to move to LA so we moved to LA and my comedy friends did and we went and did this show out in Los Angeles and um and slowly doors opened and I started getting some TV and film work right when I got to L.A. The, New York was not actually very good to me. And L.A., just as a city and as a system, for whatever reason, I don't know, I'm a weird-looking actor guy. like I, I, I don't know why, but doors opened here in L.A. in ways that they never did in New York, even though I, I view myself as much more of a New Yorker kind of person.
0: What a, what a fascinating mystery.
1: Yeah. So you end up here in your 30s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, you know, and I was, you know, when I, when I landed, I got a pilot and I got two movies. My first two movies were Galaxy Quest and Almost Famous, both like four-star classic movies. I had small parts in both of them. I did a part in a pilot, and I was like, oh, I'm set. I'm going to be like a movie star now. Promptly didn't work for a year. A year. And then the next movie I did was a horror film called House of a Thousand Corpses. So it was such a strange uh, experience. But, yeah, so I'm in L.A. And then I'm kicking around, trying to get commercials, trying to pay the rent, um, getting little TV gigs here, guest spots on shows and stuff, and kind of doing the same thing, building again, building a resume, building a career. It took me a hell of a long time to go from... You know, 1990, uh, getting out of acting school to 2004, um, being on The Office, getting cast on The Office. That's a long... Nine years in New York, four or five years here in L.A., it's yeah. a lot of struggle, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay, so let's fast forward way ahead. <laughs> what now is like for you where the juice is? Because when I first met you... So I don't know if many people would know you through acting, but as soon as we got into it, Rob, if you got hit by a bus on the street out there, what would happen? Where would you go? I was like, oh, he's, this fella has a lot going on.
1: <laughs> well, Rob, Whoa, <well>, Rob, <laughs> uh, you know, I've guy. it's very funny, the guy who played Dwight has got a kind of a closet Oprah going on because yes the thing I am most passionate about in the world is people's spiritual journeys Amen see this
0: is I as soon as we started talking whatever that was however yeah. long ago yeah it's like oh he's got a whole other world here
1: yeah that he's yeah. pursuing exploring building absolutely going after absolutely so again people can read my book. Sorry to keep plugging it, but just some more details are in there. But I went, underwent a real spiritual journey where well, I was in New York City and I left uh, the Baha'i faith. I was rebelling against my parents. I didn't want morality. I was had a girlfriend. I wanted to have sex with her and not feel guilty about it. I wanted to be a crazy bohemian, drinking and doing drugs. Um, I didn't really get the whole God thing. And I went on a long spiritual journey during that in those New York Times. And uh, I read a lot about spirituality and started... I was very... Here's, here's what it all boils down to. I was making it as an actor, barely, but I was working as an actor, and I was really unhappy. So what is that about? What, this is my dream since I'm nine years old and I see M.A.S.H. And here I am, and I'm unhappy... Living in Brooklyn, being an actor, yeah, I have to be a cater waiter and drive a moving van and do some other stuff like that, but, you know, like, this is beyond my wildest dreams. This was the dream, so how come it hasn't delivered? Why am I wrong? so yeah. discontent? Yeah. And I just had this unsettling feeling in my stomach, like, it's, it's spirituality. I grew up with this beautiful faith. Um, yeah, there were some flawed elements to it with my family life and stuff like that, but beautiful faith had a connection to God, prayer, meditation. Now I don't have any of that. Maybe I threw the baby out with the bathwater when I jettisoned God and faith and by faith and religion. But I was like, let me start, I'm gonna start at ground zero and I need to go on a spiritual journey. And the first question that I undertook was, is there a God? And um, this, uh, because I was like, this. it all comes down to that. It really just all comes down to that. There's no bigger question. We're either a random assortment of molecules uh, that somehow gelled together and formed consciousness and we're having this conversation on your back porch with these weird headsets on, or there is some divine force or power... Something else going on here. ...beyond... Exactly. And that would mean that there's a greater purpose because surely this divine presence, power, force... Unknowable essence, whatever you want to call it, didn't bring us all into consciousness just to kind of like okay, right? Have fun, get at it. If there is no point, then we're back to the other option. Yeah, then we're yeah. just
0: then, it, then. there's like a kill switch. and We just go back to yeah. trip switch. Like, yeah, then there
1: is nothing exactly. So, um, I did a lot of deep reading on other faiths. I read the Bible and the Quran and a lot of other spiritual tomes and spent a long time meditating on this stuff and. Um, What really opened my eyes to the idea of God was reading about Native American spirituality. And I was reading about the Lakota and their definition of God. The name for God is Wankantanka, which means the great mystery. And as Uh, soon as I read that, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Wait a second here. Yeah. I don't know if I believe in God, but I certainly believe in the great mystery that sounds sexy, like what is that? Like, and, and the more I read, like it's unknowable, it's the nature, it's this force, it's in, in between the molecules and beyond physical time and space and all healing and forgiving and it's love and in the sunlight and the winds and I'm like, oh, I could get with this, you know? So that kind of like opened my eyes to the possibility of the redefinition of God. As a matter of fact, Funny story. <laughs> I had your picture in a pitch deck for a TV show because I was pitching a show <laughs> called The Notorious G.O.D. <laughs> and How long ago was this? Six months ago. <laughs> and You're I going
0: around town pitching with a this show idea
1: for a show. With an idea for a show called The Notorious G.O.D. about what is the meaning of God or what does that word mean in different cultures to different people how do how can we redefine it in the modern age? How does God think up with science or technology? Like just the Morgan Freeman's show is more like the story of God, like let's go to ancient Egypt right, and look sort of at Osiris yeah. kind of and a travelogue kind of thing. This would be more about ideas. And of course it got shot down all over town. Like we can't do shows about God. Well you can't do shows about the biggest question right. that is believed in the by... The thing will get a conversation started every, at every table in every restaurant. Six billion people on the planet believe yeah. in this and you yeah. can't do a show about it. Okay, I get it. So, But you were in the pitch deck because of like people who talk about these bigger questions. And um, By the way,
0: having gone around town with ideas for shows yes. and done that thing in the conference, the corner conference yes. room with the people around the table, yeah. and I'm sure you've had this, the number of times, I can't even count, where... You pitch the idea, and everybody looks at you like, I don't think there's anything like that on TV. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. but there should be. And, uh, no, I don't think anybody would. And then you realize that the, the pitch part of it, I mean, is over. Like, they're not interested. Yep. Yep. And then the person leans forward and goes, you know, I grew up Catholic, but I don't feel like it. And then they proceed to, like, what do you think about? What do you think about? What do you think about?
1: Yeah, yeah, and they start this, yeah, yeah This depth conversation. My pitch was this
0: thing that you just did once,
1: <laughs> but yet they're not yeah, going to right. buy the show we, so I started this company Soul Pancake which is this digital media company that's about exploring life's big questions and it's not Baha'i but it was kind of inspired by Baha'i yeah. ideas in a lot of ways and we did a show about death called um, My Last Days and it's about you might have even seen some of the videos and not known they were Soul Pancake because they were being shared on Facebook and stuff like that and it was all about what are the life lessons that we can glean from people who are on their last days of, of being alive so it wasn't really a show about death it's a show about life but yeah. i remember we pitched it at mtv there were three women executives in the room and we showed them this five minute sizzle reel of the stories that we told and stuff like that and um they were sobbing Tears were running down their face. Mascara was running. We turned the lights back on. They're like, oh, my God, that was so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God, it was amazing. And then there was like a pause, and they're like, we could never make it as a TV show, though. Sorry. Because <laughs> cause you think, you know, they've got to sell, yeah. you know, Spanx and Pampers and orange juice and stuff like that, and no one's going to be like, I don't want my orange juice to be on a show about death. People are going to equate orange juice and death, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so. Can I tell you an MTV story of the similar? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I pitched them a show, and they said, "Well," and um, as the the executives were sitting there in the office doing the um, the standard dog and pony show, but behind them is scrolling MTV is on in the background, and it's scrolling all of this anti violence um wonderful messaging about and, and especially at that time I think it was the Matthew Shepard yeah. beating okay. and it was all of all this anti uh, against I mean it was like it was beautiful programming and they said no, here's the problem Rob we, we 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 like you but we can't we could never put you on the air because you have a point of view like we mm. we, we mm-hmm. would have to have every other point of view to counter you we couldn't just put you on because you have a point of view and, I, and so I just pointed to the television I said that's a point of view yeah yeah like, <laughs> like
1: you're doing point of view, it's just you can't even make it up. Yeah, it's it's oh amazing. Anyway, yeah. keep going. So, yeah. So in my spiritual journey, I eventually did come back to the Baha'i faith, and and that's kind of what I needed to do was read the right the holy writings of Baha'u'llah on my own and have my own experience yeah. with that, yeah, not yeah. inherit my parents' experience or my childhood experience, and kind of make it fresh and vital to me and. Uh, I really did have a kind of like conversion of I do believe in in God. I believe in a higher power. I believe in a force beyond molecules and atoms. I it's not even believe. It's faith. It's like I I know it just as much as I know that. Was there I'm a moment? Here.
0: Was there like a setting? Was there a particular?
1: Or just a period of time where yeah, I wish began I wish to... there was a moment because it would be a way more interesting story. But it <laughs> it was really kind of a period of two years, and then all of a sudden, kind yeah. of by the end of that two years, it's like, I'm in. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm in. You know, but but then it deepens though, right? Absolutely. So it's not like it gets more. and it's more It's not more one and done. You don't. Yeah. No. So and, you, and bo- you still str- and you struggle. You know, and I still yeah. like struggle sometimes. And I like the uh, phrase "born again, again, again,
0: again." again 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 you you just keep discovering new layers of wonder and awe
1: yeah that just take you you're getting younger as you get older yeah Um, and and for me I discover new layers of like oh there's my ego wanting what it wants there's my selfishness kind of like gobbling that up and wanting to control things and being a dick, and taking things <laughs> yeah. off the track, and, yeah. and oh, if I come back to my divine nature, to my spirit self, to giving to others, and yeah. do unto others, and, and then oh, that guides me aright. And so there's a constant, like, back and forth, I have a pretty strong ego, you can probably tell that. You know, just like, it pulls me this way, and then God, you know, is the north star that keeps me on track
0: does it um and how do you think about your life now like how do you sort through what you give your energies to like do you have like yeah. a, a x amount of um acting gigs you know per year soul pancake takes this how do you sort all that out what you give yourself yeah that's
1: to? Th- that's a great question and I don't have that figured out I, I really yeah. don't i as um, soon as
0: we as soon as we figure it out then it changes yeah is that is as it, soon as I'm like okay now I, now these are this is how it works yeah
1: then it's like oh, okay I did that What's, yeah. the, what's the next way to arrange that's, things? That's funny. That's funny. I felt for a long time it was on, in Soul Pancake and building that company and trying to do a positive media company that was made inspiring content um, for all people and put a lot of work and time into that over the years. And that company has now been purchased by another company and they're great and I'm going to still keep working with them, but it, that's not taking up like my time yeah. and space. My wife and I started a nonprofit five or six years ago in Haiti uh, called Lide Haiti that educates adolescent girls in rural poor parts of Haiti. So I do a lot of fundraising for that. And we, we, we don't recently cause Haiti's on fire right now. It's essentially mm-hmm. in a state of total revolution. Um, but we used to go down a lot and teach arts to the girls and travel there a lot. And we're close friends with our Haitian friends and stuff that run the program. Um, So those are some things that I do. I do acting gigs here and there. You know, I did a couple movies last year. I did Star Trek before that. I'm doing a recurring role on mom. I did a new I'm did a new T V show. I'm not trying to like do my resume, but I'm just saying I do a new TV show for Amazon that's coming out next year. Like I do things here and there, but I'm not on a show like like I was on the office nine or ten months a year. So you know, I write some things here and um but really I'm trying to figure that out because there's that right now in my life, there are two issues that are uh, so important to me, and they're the most important issues. And I do feel like God has given me a platform of, like, hey, I have a social media presence, and people love Dwight from the office, and young people dig me because of playing Dwight. So I should try my best to make a positive impact. And the two issues? The two issues are. Uh, there is an epidemic in young people of, and some people are not quite in touch with this, of um, anxiety, depression, loneliness, and suicidal ideation. And it's yep. off the yep. charts. I mean, as much as you think you might know about it, it is yes. quadruple it, ten times. Yeah. It's it's horrible. And kids are suffering. um, We did a documentary on Pancake called Laughing Matters that was about the intersection between comedy and, um, and mental health issues like anxiety and depression. And we just had a screening at Pepperdine, was it last night, the night before. And I think it was last night, it was last night. I had three people come up and take my arm shaking with tears in their eyes like, thank you so much. I'm undergoing such depression and anxiety and I was suicidal and you just see this raw yeah. pain yeah. in their eyes. There's no they don't they feel like they they don't have a purpose or a meaning or they don't fit in or then disconnected. Yeah. Um I, I'm blathering a lot, Rob. Blathering? But I keep blathering. I love so, it. So I love it. The first podcast that Reza and I did for Metaphysical Milkshake, um, was with Varun Sony from USC. Do you know him? No. So you, someone you should definitely meet. He's the chaplain at USC, but he's the Hindu chaplain who also lived in a, um, Buddhist monastery for years. <laughs> so super aver- versed in all of the faith traditions and very, uh, open to, uh, new ideas and, um. Uh, loves, deeply loves Christianity and Christian tradition. And, um, he said that the, and so our first interviews with him about this issue and he's going like every couple days now to visit either successful suicides, drug overdoses or failed suicide attempts. I mean, it's, and when he got there, he, he said it would be like when he first got there 15 years ago, it was like one a month. And now it's like three a week. And he said that the number one thing that kids come up to him and talk to him about is loneliness. The number one thing. They come up and they say, I'm Mm. lonely. They started a class at USC on friendship. It's the class with the longest waiting list at USC. Friendship. I mean, when we were growing up, like 70s and 80s, like, he's friends. 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 You just made friends. You go down the block right. and there's a cul-de-sac and if you, you had play to name friends it then and you got something wrong somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You you play Dungeons and Dragons yeah. or pick up basketball happens. or you just you're you're nerdy or you're in band and you're friends with the people like there's not mm-hmm. and obviously one of the big, big issues are these with my two phones. <laughs> you know, are these things with the phones and social media and the disconnection uh, that it creates. But so that's the one topic and the other topic is climate change. Uh Absolutely. Which, uh, which is also driving a lot of the anxiety that young people yeah. are feeling. They're feeling yeah. like, what's the point? The world yeah. is dying. Yeah. Our boys
0: are often like, you didn't grow up with this thing that we're growing up with. Is that the thing is like going off a cliff? Yeah. Like that electrifies in a in a very dark sort of way everything. Yeah. Like what does meaning even mean? <laughs> like all the things that were just sort of standard operating software are now up for grabs if... We're handed a thing that apparently in like fifty years, forty years, thirty years, whatever it is yeah,
1: um, it changes everything so I got some raised some money and got sold pancake, and I went to Greenland a couple months ago to talk to climate scientists and see the glaciers and kind of dig into it as a big big issue yeah. so those are the things these are the things that turn me on the most like I like acting. But it's holding less and less allure for me. Yeah, that was my question. Interesting. Which is which is interesting because that's all I lived for. Yeah, it's all I lived from sixteen to 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 fifty. You know, I just lived to act anything. I could get a role. Oh my god, I love acting so much. And um, now, it. I, I I don't think I'll ever quit acting. Um, I, I enjoy the craft of it, but. These I feel like I need to do something about these these issues. So uh, I like so writing more for a while I was thinking about going to divinity school. Or yeah. Yeah.
0: Ah, uh, it's so fascinating. That's so fascinating. Is there anything specifically to direct Robcast people to? Give uh, money, get involved, support
1: well, causes. Is, is there anything? Yeah, I don't want to ask for money. They could check out lidehaiti.org and just look at what we do, but you don't have to give Lide. any money. L I D E mm-hmm. lidehaiti.org. Um and then listen to Metaphysical Milkshake where Reza Azlan and I have discussions like this like all the time with lots yeah. of crazy really interesting people about lots of big ideas. That's on the Luminary podcast, which is its own network you have to pay for it. So, yeah. but um and those are out now. Those have been released. Yeah, the f- five or six of them are out right now. Great. Um, we just had one with Goth- Gotham Chopra. Gotham sure, Chopra. Sure, Gotham. Yeah. And uh, Deepak Chopra's son. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing is like the spirituality of sports. Yes. How sports and his is the new religion. And his relationship and his... Yeah, yeah. 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 It's fascinating. That you're in the stadium is like the church and the... You know, they're <laughs> the athletes are like the gods, and it brings people div- of diverse elements together and stuff. Like that's the new one that just dropped, and I don't know what else. They can check out Soul Pancakes YouTube channel to see some of the shows that we've done there, and um, yeah, that's it. That's about it. Yeah. I love it. I love but I, th- it. but ultimately, Rob, and why I was so drawn to I love your podcast, and was drawn to get to know you better, and and to come on your show, and have you on our show is like. Like, regardless of whatever faith tradition or path toward the divine, like, the thing I say to young people a lot is like, when I was growing up, and I, I don't know how old you are because you look 12, <laughs> but you're probably like 47 or something like that. So, uh, 49. Okay, all right, that was close. <laughs> I look 12. You do, you really look 12. And then, um, is when I was growing up, the whole ethos of American culture was like, Hey, live a good life, make some money, have a comfortable life. And as long as you don't hurt anybody else, you're fine. You know, just don't hurt anybody else. Don't be an asshole. Uh Just try and be a good person and live a nice, comfortable life and love your family. And, and that's, that's that. It's like, but you know what? That's not going to cut it anymore. You know, just looking at like humanity, just take a Pull back, have an alien's eye view of humanity on this planet of seven and a half billion people on this planet, and what's happening, and the starvation and the forest fires and the climate change and the this broken systems like healthcare and the food systems and even our, po- our political systems just so deadlocked and broken and um, and, and, and 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 Brexit and and uh social injustice racial injustice and uh and racism uh the idea that we would somehow like be judgmental or disdainful or hateful towards someone with a different skin color or right. or ethnic background or cultural background like a preposterous idea in this day and age so we're sharing this limited resources on this planet and we all have to do something together and i think it's up to people of faith to really just work together and just like you know, I, I talk at Pepperdine a lot, and the Dr. John Barton is a friend of mine who's there. And he's really about, like, let's agree to disagree about something. He's very Christian, like, Jesus died for our sins, and I'm the way and the truth and the light, and there's no way to the Father except through me, et cetera. Like, um, and that's fine. And he's like, let's agree to disagree, and let's at the same time work together like there's no tomorrow. Let's like, be humans together. Let's yeah, be yeah. humans together, mm-hmm. serve together, make yeah. the world a better place together, stop looking at our differences, yeah. because the world needs those people that have come alive to make absolutely. a difference in the absolutely. world. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And some sort of... Uh, like I th- When you were talking about growing up, I was thinking about the neighborhood that I grew up in, where everybody kind of went to jobs, like, nine to five, and then there were, like... I think they watch sports on the weekend. Like, there was, like, yeah. a... Like a th- and now... Uh, I think, I would go around and be like, okay, don't settle, please, because like whatever it is that you do, we really need that right now. Mm -hmm. Whatever that passion, skill, talent, what, Mm -hmm. like you're needed in some really, really, really urgent way. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Education, earth care,
1: food, like all that. Yeah, it's a completely different era. Uh, We have this uh, this guy Armaven, wrote us at Lide Haiti to do our accounting. And they do our accounting for essentially free, and that's what—that's how he gives back. He's an accountant. He's a CPA. Yeah. He's got a little company, and they have—they're not huge. And they take on—they have clients, and they you know do car companies, and they do accounting and taxes and stuff like that. But he take—he allocates a certain amount of time and energy and resources for nonprofits to do yeah. their taxes. There's all kinds of ways, yeah, to be of service, right, right, right. You know, is right. it an inconvenience for him? Probably. It's probably extra hours of work that he would rather, you know, be playing Xbox or, you know, watching The Office on Netflix. It's also saving him at some level. Yeah. 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 It's also rescuing him from yeah. boredom and indifference. Yeah. It's like this is where the juice is. And that's where I appreciate you so much because also oh, yeah, the right. um, mission, mission, purpose, and service, when you're in that, that that's where the juice is, and that's when you feel yourself Absolutely. become more alive, more happy, yes. more connected, uh, less anxious. When I'm in self, I'm so anxious. All the when energies, energies are, like, are turned inward. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get cast in that movie, and how come that guy did? And he's got a better career than me. And how come this person didn't hire me? And they, I, I'm, I auditioned for that thing, and why won't they get back to me? And yeah. I'm trying to pitch this show. Me, I'm not getting what I want. And then I'm just in, uh, I'm an, I'm an anxious, angry child. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then all the energies turn, and
0: they start moving out, away from you. To how can I give? And then it's like.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, then you're just a vessel. You're a hollow reed through which the music flows. Vessels from one vessel to another. Well,
0: flawed vessel. From one flawed vessel.
1: Yeah. To another. I'm like a hollow reed with a. It's got like mud on it and like a a chunk missing. It's a
0: bassoon. It's a bassoon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a bassoon with some spray paint on it, and one of the keys is stuck and. Keeps getting dropped on the ground, so <laughs> we're just flawed. Oh, uh, but we're having fun. Yeah, I'm
0: so glad you stopped by. It this was such fantastic. a pleasure. Thanks for having me on your porch and giving us the the Cliff Notes of your life. That's Thanks for letting meaningful. me witness
1: the world's smallest swimming pool.
0: Absolutely, Absolutely. that is the size <laughs> <Thank> of <you. laughs> a fat man's bathtub. You are, you are not the first person, by the way. To yeah. be like, is it even a swimming pool? It's it's a
1: pool. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh my yeah there's you're really going yeah. to riff on our pool, Well, you? there's a jacuzzi in the pool that... Um, might be bigger than the pool. Is that what you're about to say? Yeah, yeah. But you, you, you could fit like... T- if if there was more than like eight people, it would start to get uncomfortable. It would start to feel like a weird orgy. Like if there was a large man and a small child in
0: the pool at the same time and the large man got out. The yeah, kids exactly.
1: Might. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We just went
0: know. from saving the world to, that's a small pool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that. That's
0: how it works. That's how it
1: works. Uh, Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Uh, I really appreciate so it. So great. And uh, let's stay in touch and let me know what you're up to and stuff like that. Yeah, we'll and, do that. And uh, we'll uh, we'll do something else together one of these days.
0: And all you Robcast peoples, this has been episode something something with our eight hundred and forty seven Rain mm-hmm. Wilson on the back porch. Grace and peace to all of you.